0: I don't have a problem with saying well people might say oh but the Bible says it's eternal torment so therefore it's eternal conscious torment. I say well I don't know if I agree with that I might say eternity is the it's defining what's it's defining what the action is going to be that is an eternal action it's not an eternal suffering it's not this forever ongoing conscious suffering in my view I don't think it is I think it's more like you said like the idea of It's broken and it's never being put back together. It's never going to be raised back to life Mm -hmm. or brought together again and reconstructed.
1: Hello, welcome to the PonderCast, where it's okay to think differently about the Bible and theology. Let's get pondering. HE Double Hockey Sticks. That's our topic for today here on the Pondercast, and this is a first in Pondercast history because Drew and I are finally together in person for an episode of the Pondercast.
0: You bet. In the same room.
1: In the same room.
0: High five. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Oh man, come on! It's COVID season. Can't be high five. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Do you remember when you were young, and that was what uh, hell was referred to? H e double hot like you were
1: sinful if you said hell you
0: remember was that ever a thing growing up
1: oh i don't know well yeah i mean in christian culture
0: yeah it was always h-e-double hockey sticks and we thought that was somewhat better than saying the actual words <laughs> you didn't say it yeah, well i mean exactly that's basically how it was no different than saying just the first letter of a swear word and then that's you're saying you're basically saying the same thing you know
1: i remember thinking as a kid I, I uh was reading these comics i don't know i think it was like hagar the what are those called like it was those viking dudes oh uh and uh
0: asterix and something
1: i don't know but uh i thought oh this is this is so bad i thought i was you know i was very proud of my oh this is so bad they're swearing i said this to one kid in class i was like in grade five. Oh, oh they're swearing oh show me and i showed them you know how they write swears in books like with a with a n- money, like sign money sign, yeah. and all this, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "Oh, <laughs> oh man, yeah, of course we got down to that rabbit trail, but uh of course we're here together with our brand new Pondercast mugs yeah. that we're going to be giving away soon, probably in the new year, which yes. is exciting.
0: Yes, yeah, stay tuned for that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you
0: can have a Pondercast mug just like Perry and I are drinking out of right yep. now."
1: You can be champs like us.
0: Mm, I don't know if champs is the right <laughs> word. You can be people like us. Mm-hmm. If that's something worth aspiring to. I know. Yeah. I'm not convinced that it is, but whatever.
1: Well, the uh, weather definitely is not like hell out there. <laughs> no?
0: Yeah. It's, well, it depends what your view of hell is. Like. <laughs> but cold is definitely the definition of today's weather. That's for sure.
1: I remember when... Uh, The NDP got elected in Alberta five years ago, and I got to school, and one of the teachers was like, "Hell froze over" because it snowed that day. It was May, and it was snowing the day after the NDP got elected. Hell froze (laughs) over. (laughs) Oh
0: jeez. Well, that's probably enough joking about hell. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah, we should get on with it. So this is quite a topic. It is
0: quite a topic, and it's quite. uh... Interesting researching, I found. I mean, what, what did you use for research? Did you use books online? Anything? Or uh, I board?
1: used... Uh, what are those boards? Um, a Ouija board. A Ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> went, to the sor- went to the primary source itself. <laughs> Doing good research, Drew.
0: <laughs> okay. So I, uh... This is going to be interesting, all right? This is going to be very, uh, very interesting for sure. Well, oh, I was
1: reading... Some systematic theology. I was reading some of the Bible, trying to get some of the Greek meaning of some of the words that they use to describe hell. Uh, I didn't. It was hard to find varying views on hell in what I had. Right. Yeah. Uh, That's what I found too. There are views of the intermediate state, Mm -hmm. and that's really where it comes up. And. The discussion that comes up out of this is, uh, does the soul die with the body? Right. Or does the body die and the soul... I mean, there are those some of those issues as well. Soul sleep. Uh, again, the intermediate state. There are a lot of things that come up with this topic. Uh, but we really want to narrow in on hell. And it is a uh, hard doctrine to land on, I find. Because we just don't know... And honestly, the Bible does seem more vague than we would actually like it to be. Yeah. Than what we have actually... We have our set doctrine. We kind of take our presuppositions of what hell is as we're reading the text. Yeah. And...
0: Well, because there's no... You can't experience it in this life and then write about it. And exactly. And that, that's the problem. You can't You can't have a definitive answer because no one can experience it. Be like, hey, this is what I experienced. People say they had a heavenly experience or whatever or hellish experience in the dreams and all these kind of things mm-hmm. but how much water like, i mean how much can you be like yeah that, that yeah is there is, is
1: now that we're now that you bring that up there is a book called 30 minutes in hell that yeah. i just realized that would have been interesting to look up for this conversation see what they have to say about it but but again are they taking when these people have these visions of heaven hell whatever are they taking their presuppositions? And then they're having a vision, ba- like with based how do that, I explain yeah. it? Like we have dreams based on our fears, and uh, like our dreams are coming out of what's in our brain at that yeah. in the in during the night or whatever. Oh yeah, exa- no, I agree. So yeah, yeah. I don't know if that plays into people's visions. Oh,
0: I think so for sure. I mean, there's no different than how you read your Bible if you have a presupposition of, oh, this is what's true. Everything is going to be pointing to that then. So, I think that's the case when people see visions of heaven or see visions of hell I think it's just a this is what I know hell is and therefore I'm going to create this thing in my mind that that's what it is Hmm. I mean who am I to say that God didn't show them something exactly is that hell though who knows right should we get into some of these views of it
1: yep let us know so
0: when I was looking up so there's two there's kind of like three categories in this the doctrine of hell so I mean there's tons of subcategories clearly but the three are kind of laid out in as far as the traditional view, which we'll get to in a second, um, the the uh, annihilationist, annihilationist kind of view, or the conditional view, it's called. Hmm. And then there's the universal view, which is, hmm. it, it's kind of, it's kind of a progressive kind of scale. So the, the traditionalist view, for the for the sake of this conversation, because eternal conscious torment is really long to say mm. we can call it the traditional view because that is what the traditional view of hell is the idea that hell is a place where the ungodly, the unsaved the unrighteous will be eternally consciously tormented for eternity that mm. that's the traditional view and that's, that's kind of what has been pushing like growing up that was always my view of hell was this eternal? Because con- I was, I mean, the very little amount I was actually taught about hell—that's what it was: eternal conscious torment. And I think that's what most conservative evangelical Christians would say their view of hell is. Maybe I'm wrong, but I guess mm-hmm. the most—that's kind of like the conservative view. And then you have the conditional view, which is based on three kind of subpoints, which we can get into later. But basically, the idea is, it's not an eternal state. Hell isn't mm. eternal. Is temporal the suffering the punishment is temporal and then you cease to exist mind body soul and i think there is scriptural evidence for that which again we can look at a little bit and then we get the universalist camp which it's it's very interesting camp to be in and that's just everyone goes to heaven and like i said there's tons of different Hmm. subcategories in it um
1: right because there are the views that there'll be people who go to hell but in the end, everybody's saved. I've heard that yeah. even people saying that Satan will be saved himself right. at the end.
0: Right, and that'd be the universal Which is
1: the universal view.
0: View that everyone will come to Christ. And that's based more, I think, than on people's uh, theology rather than biblical, um, what the Bible tells us. I think it's more based on God is love, therefore this has to be the, mm-hmm. the reason. it's a lot less scripture-based, more of like, I don't want to say emotionally-based, but in Mm. that kind of camp. But there are some scriptures that do point to this idea of Mm -hmm. everyone will be saved. So I don't want to dismiss it as a for-sure heresy, because, I mean, there is some... You have to wrestle with some Mm -hmm. things.
1: Well, and it does depend on your interpretation of Revelation as well, because I think Revelation really... Does not support the view of universalism that everybody will be saved, but maybe that. But at the same time, my interpretation says that. Right. So, and I mean, and I mean this is not really our topic for today. But so. you're also
0: going through that with a, um, a not a literal lens, right? Like, I mean, it also depends how we take the Book of Revelation literally, figuratively. What is figurative? What is like the genre in Revelation? I think is the toughest part to decipher. Mm
1: -hmm. i'm just saying well and that's why and i think that's where it comes out of is revelation is just crazy is it actually canon right okay so we have our three views we have the eternal uh conscious torment yeah uh conditional or annihilationist Mm -hmm. or universalist and of course you have can have different varying uh train of thought with all that
0: yeah yeah for sure um yeah, so we have the three kind of camps, and so I don't know how we want to orchestrate this kind of like walk through each one, and do we want to go through biblical evidence for each one, or do you want to just kind of hmm. talk about uh, them all together, because it doesn't really matter how we, how we kind of orchestrate this, uh... and the thing is, you're acting like I'm the... <laughs> i'm the one that knows all the answers i don't want to confuse well them. this has
1: been your this, is, this has been your interest for years we've had many conversations well, about this over the yeah
0: years. yeah so i guess i'll just come out of the closet with it so as i've been studying it and as i'm been kind of looking at scriptures and hearing what other people say i think i lean more and more towards annihilationism rather than the conscious torment eternal conscious torment um and there's many reasons for that, and just over the last kind of couple of weeks, I've kind of been really kind of struggling and, and really trying to examine. Well, what does Scripture say? about this eternal conscious torment, and what does it say about um, this not eternal conscious torment, this hmm. this conditional torment? So, um, just to outline the the view, and so I don't want people to think, oh, he's he knows what he's talking about, because I I have no idea what I'm talking about. I just. I understand these concepts, and I kind of get where I'm coming from, but I'm in no means a scholar in the idea of hell. I'm just kind of, like I'm just trying to figure this out like a, mm-hmm. like anyone who's listening, just trying to figure yep. it out as I go. i are pondering. And pondering big time. So I think the thing we can think about with these three views is that hell is, I mean, just trying to find a common ground with them before we kind of mm-hmm. jump into a whole bunch of other things. So I think all the views would view that hell is real. It's a real place, whether it be temporal, whether it be eternal, whether it be for a small amount of time, long period, whatever. I think all these views think hell is real. I think all of them think hell is bad. Um, it's a punishment, separation hmm. from God, and it's eternal. And so the last part is kind of where we maybe don't agree that. So like all these three views, I think, think that these things are true. It's bad, it's real, it's punishment, it's separation, and it's eternal state.
1: I don't I, I don't think that the universalist view would argue that hell is eternal and if everybody is saved. Right. And I've heard many people on that side of the camp with a more with a more modified view of universalism that says uh essentially everybody is saved. Nobody goes to hell. Hell is an experience on earth. Right. And uh whatever that looks like People people just go through hell on earth. Jesus went through hell on earth on the cross. Is, yeah, and, uh, and so Christians would try to say that that is where people that people experience hell on earth, but they're gonna go to heaven eventually. They've experienced yeah. their hell. Yeah, I just so don't, I just don't see that. Like, no, I I don't have, I, I don't either. Yes, because but, yeah. I think we both agree. Uh, that the, and this is this has been the Protestant view. this has been the traditional Christian view anyways yeah. since yeah. the beginning of time yeah. that there is a, a, a place where uh, there is a there is a realm uh, that they uh, the unrighteous are judged and are are sent to right. Be- because yeah. if there is uh, this goes back to our discussion on predestination if people are predestined to heaven then there is uh, an implicit assumption there that there are people who aren't going to heaven right so where are they going
0: right and that's that's our topic for today where do they go yeah. what, what happens to them <laughs> and so i i'm going to try to outline the case for annihilationism because okay. that's kind of what i've been thinking about mm-hmm. i don't know what, do you, what is your initial view my initial view is annihilationism
1: well when you gave the view because I've been preparing with that in mind, with you saying right. what, that you're an- I gave you the cheats before we did this. <laughs> uh, because we have had conversation before about annihilationism, and you've, you, the things that you've said, I thought, yeah, that's interesting. But the way that you explained it now is that there is this temporal existence, conscious existence for people in hell, but then they are annihilated.
0: Right, and that's one, that's the thing, that's the one strand of annihilationism, right? So is that where you land? That's where I land. Because there's also another strand of when you die, nothing. Just absolutely nothing. Which, I mean, that negates judgment. Like, that means there's no judgment then. There's no Mm -hmm. coming before Christ at the end of days and confronting. Like, where, do you mean, I think that's in scripture. Like, the idea of when all will have to be, come before Christ and you will be judged. So if you're annihilated when you die, well, that doesn't happen. If you cease to exist and all forms of existing then that doesn't happen so i i think i in more of the camp if there's a temporal state hmm. and then when in in ephesians 1 9 i think it's i think it's 1 9 it talks about everything will be reconciled and put under christ yeah and at yeah, that yeah. at that time when when everything is reconciled to christ when at the end when christ returns and everything is brought back i think then all evil will be destroyed because i think in that text specifically we either have to say everything will be destroyed or everyone will go to heaven. I don't think there's any view for hell to continue to exist just by looking at that verse. And there, I mean, we can't pull a theology out of one verse. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying there's an example of, well, what do we do with that then? That's mm-hmm. the two options we have. Either everything's destroyed or everyone goes to heaven. I'm not willing to say everyone goes to heaven. So that, that's kind of where I land with that specific text. But if you don't mind, can we just go through the yeah the let's steps do annihilation isn't just, just do it so we can gonna kind of talk this through here yep yep and so the first there's three kind of pillars of the view of annihilationism and that's um according to what i understand again someone might be in this camp and be like Drew, you're totally wrong which i'm fine with. i'm okay you're wrong but uh one being the biblical question of immortality meaning are people all immortal or is that
1: hmm.
0: are people finite are they not immortal hmm. are they mortals Um, The second is, what is the view of eternity? What is the biblical view of eternity? Is it forever, or is it more of a way to say um, not coming back? And and a way to say this is like capital punishment. Well, you're eternally dead. You're never coming back to life, right? In capital punishment, maybe if someone does something bad and they get killed for it, right? You'd say they're dead for eternity. They're they're not, they're dead. They're never going to come back and live like you and me are living right now. Uh-huh. so i understand this idea of you eternity we'll get into this maybe later just, uh, just a teaser i guess and then the last is language of destruction the idea of the bible seems to say like the wicked will be destroyed they'll be annihilated they'll be extinct and there's verses that we can kind of go to that talk about that and that's that's kind of where the idea of this ceasing to exist after you die comes from the idea of the wicked will be destroyed mm-hmm. they won't be punished forever in hell, it's not, it'll be destroyed. So, those are kind of the three main pillars of it, as far as I understand hmm. it? I don't know, do you do, do you anything else to add to that or no?
1: Uh, not really, okay. but, uh, my, but one thought that I have is, not that I know much about philosophy, but you can get into some philosophical language here, but right. somebody dies and their soul goes into this abyss called hell well, really, are is their does their soul actually mean anything? Like it's it's really just meaningless. Like they have, philosophically, they have ceased to exist. Right. Uh, even though they are existing in this uh, darkness, whatever you want to call right. it. Right. Right. But they, they're, they're, it's nothingness. It's meaningless. Whereas when you, if your soul goes into heaven, in eternal bliss. You, you still have something waiting for you, uh, at the end of time. You're you you do have a meaningful existence still, in the universe. Maybe, maybe this is getting too weird though.
0: That's oh, getting a little weird. That's okay. <laughs> no, well, like okay. So if I can just go to a couple of texts and talk about this immorality then because we're saying, because basically on that standard, you're saying humans are not immortal. Right. Some some part of you, whether you're a dualist or tri, trichotomy or dichotomy, you're still saying some part of us lives forever. I don't know. See, and so that's the point of the annihilation. is just saying, no, you don't live forever. And so there's a bunch of texts. We'll go through a couple of them. Um, if we start at Genesis, like so Genesis 3, Adam and Eve are in the garden, right? And just to paint the picture, I mean, we know the story. They go to the fruit. Not supposed to eat, right? And they they partake, and then in Genesis three, God uh, says, "We let's not let them eat from the tree of I'm paraphrasing here of um, living forever." blessed than live forever. There's no um, consequence of that in the text. So it says in in uh, Genesis three, uh, starting verse twenty three, just to give us more time. So the Lord God banished him. Sorry, the verse before that, 22. The Lord said, Now the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not be not be allowed to reach out his hand and also take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Um, in that text, there's no consequence of whether what happens if you were to live forever. And maybe I'm just kind of talking this through here, but the fact that there's no... Because if you can live forever, then you'll have to suffer forever. It doesn't say that. It's just you can't be... You can't be able to live forever. And so just from that text, and, and I mean, we can keep moving on from there, but I think that's kind of where it starts is that God doesn't, didn't want them to be able to live forever. Because if they can live forever, mind, body, soul, spirit, whatever you think of, then there would have to be a place of eternal, eternity for the wicked. Or universalism would have to be true. If they live forever, right? So there's this, and so I think that's that's part of the reason.
1: Well, but uh, it, could, it could be argued though that they are in the Garden of Eden, which is a representation of heaven. It it, it was, uh, as some scholars argue, heaven and earth intersecting in the garden. So they're eating heavenly fruit. They eat the fruit that, that opens their eyes to see, like the to and and brought shame upon them so they and and so there's a reason why they're kicked out so that they can't live in this heavenly realm any longer and they can't eat the fruit to live any longer so they're judged and they're kicked out of the heavenly realm into almost a hellish experience they're they're kicked into the domain that is under control of satan so right. even there is a picture of God's judgment on humanity, but on earth where they had to leave the heavenly realm and go into a, into condemnation. So what I mean by that is then they weren't able to live physically forever in their sinfulness. They weren't able to still be in God's good creation and go and eat the fruit to live forever physically. But he said, you've died and scholars say that that meant a spiritual death. So right uh, so you would
0: say that that's not a good case that man is not immortal.
1: Well, Doesn't they're not man. immortal physically. That that right, is B-U-Z? known from that is known just right. from yeah, yeah. physiology.
0: But you would say that spiritually too then that they're
1: not immortal then? Well, I guess it depends on how you define immortality well, can, because can I, not can... because if they die spiritually but not physically at that moment, then that means that they died and they're not immortal. Right. God mm-hmm. is immortal. I think there's an... I We're called mortals.
0: Okay, but living forever is what I'm talking about when I say immortal, meaning you will always have a
1: conscious... Well, I don't believe that every human being will live forever.
0: Not even in hell? That's <laughs> what I mean. Like, I'm saying, like, you will always have a sense of your being, mm. and that—that's the whole point of eternal conscious torment. If there's no consciousness there, well, you're hardly living. Like you mean, if you can't conceive what's happening, you're not really living. Then, so the idea of eternal conscious torment—that's the idea of you are still, in a sense, living in some form, whether it be in spirit, mind. You can feel pain, right? There's some part of you that's still living,
1: right? But you can't. You're you're not. Ex- you're not really existing in a meaningful way well obviously in a because meaningful you're, Not, if you're, you're, if you're if you're in the con- realm of dead but you're, you're, you're dead con- like if you're in a realm of death you're dead
0: yeah but you're still conscious that's the thing that's so, the whole but, that's the whole but, view of the point is that you're if, it's eternal conscious torment if you're conscious you are living in a sense in some sense you well, are alive. obviously
1: i don't believe well you, in eternal conscious torment <laughs>
0: can I just get back to this idea of immortality sure please as, as I understand it so anyways we keep going through scripture I mean Proverbs 12 28 says the way of righteousness in the way of righteousness there is life along the path of immortality so I mean we're not going to base our whole theology on a proverb but we'll continue on <laughs> right I mean it's just not good hermeneutic mm-hmm, principle mm-hmm. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 24 28 then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to um, to God the Father, after He has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must remain until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything that's been put under him, it is clear that he does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When this is done, the Son himself will be made subject to him, who put everything under him, so that God will be all on all. Immortality is the gift from God from that text, we can say, okay, immortality is the gift from God. And so when someone, so and so, I'll keep going and then I'll come back to it, okay, just to kind of finish off the whole idea of immortality. Um, Where's the one text I want? First uh, Corinthians, if we go later, first Corinthians uh, 15, uh, starting verse 53, actually let's go 52. In a flash, there'll be a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Um, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable. Um, we will be changed, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, the mortal with immortality, then the saying will be written will come true. O oh, death is swallowed in victory, O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? And even there it's talking about the perishable, humans, must be clothed with the imperishable, Christ. And, and so with all these texts we can kind of come to a conclusion that okay well perhaps man is perishable is mortal is not forever living until the receiving of Christ hmm. and then and from there you receive this gift of immortality hmm. when you die you will be immortal and, and so rather than is um, a characteristic of man being uh, living forever whether it be body soul spirit whatever we want to say it's a gift from God to be able to live past our bodily living and be resurrected again. And so I think that's that's the one kind of case for us annihilationism. And that's kind of one of the the pillars that eternal conscious torment says everyone is immortal. Everyone will live hmm. forever in some sense. Right. Where I think I'm not too sure that the Bible says that everyone's gonna live forever. I don't know where we get the idea that everyone's gonna have eternal life. Um, and we can even go to like quick verses, uh, Romans six twenty three for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Hmm. Okay. Well, I was going to say for the wages of sin, is the eternal death it doesn't say that it just says hmm. death, but eternal life is what that's the free gift is eternal life. And so I think even there we see the difference of perhaps the gift of God is the eternal, the eternality of life that the immortality is part of the gift and I mean I'm no scholar in this for sure I'm just kind of articulating what I understand of these mm-hmm. views and what, what I've kind mm-hmm. of come to comprehend that they mean and what's actually happening I don't know, what do you think about that that point do you think that is
1: any water is there anything that you think that like pushes back against that idea <laughs> oh yeah definitely I think that's a good presentation of the view uh, of uh, annihilationism which I would definitely agree with because even in uh revelation it speaks of the resurrection of the dead it says from death and hades so even the dead are raised at the end their souls are put back into their bodies presumably And uh, it says these people were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. So everybody, all those who are judged to condemnation are thrown into the lake of fire. And I really am convinced when it says the second death, the lake of fire, he's really trying to emphasize that this is it. I mean, Mm -hmm. even even if they are existing for eternity which I don't think they are, but even if they are, they're not, they're not existing in anything meaningful in the second death because they're separated from God, Mm -hmm. um, which would go back or which is uh, supported by, where did I read that? Where it says they will be without, oh yeah, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Uh, those who uh, are not part of the kingdom of God will suffer eternal destruction. So, I mean, that even is answering the question, why doesn't Paul say eternal death? Well, he is actually saying that here, right. eternal destruction. Yeah. It's but... it's an existence outside of time, and it's going to be forever that these people, and, and particularly in this verse where Paul is encouraging those who are persecuting Christians that don't worry God will have his due uh, and you will be vindicated you will be in the place that you are meant to be
0: right but that's kind of an oxymoron like oxymoron because it says eternal destruction how how does that make any sense how can you be eternally destructive like if you were to raid a city and destroy it you can't do that forever eventually it's just destroyed you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. So, so it's so the forever
1: length. destroyed. Yeah, it's yeah. You break something. That, that's what I'm saying. It's destroyed
0: forever. That's what I was trying to say before in the idea of like it's like a capital oh. punishment. It's it's forever like this. It's
1: so you can't bring the oh, the, I see what you're, you're saying. You can't, can't bring the person back. So you better make sure that you have the right person.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of the, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, but that's my point. The word eternal. I don't have a problem with saying well, people might say, oh, but the Bible says it's eternal torment, so therefore it's eternal conscious tor- torment. I say, well, I don't know if I agree with that. I might say, turn out eternity is the, it's defining what's, it's defining what the action is going to be. That is an eternal action. It's not an eternal suffering. It's not this forever ongoing conscious suffering. In my view, I don't think it is. I think it's more like you said, like the idea of it's broken and it's never being put back together. It's never going to be raised back to life mm-hmm. or brought together again and reconstructed. No, it's it's eternity. For eternity, it is broken and that's the final state. It's it's done. I think that's the difference between annihilationism and universalism. Some might say, oh, they're broken and then put back together and come to God. I mean, that that's a strand of it, I think, but it's hmm. but, uh, a good text to come to right there.
1: Well, my question to People who believe that for eternity people will be tormented. Seems more humane to just destroy them. Well,
0: I think people who say, well, oh, that's not as. I, I thought my original thinking of this was, oh, I mean, to be destroyed, that's definitely worse than being tor, like consciously tormented. And I thought about that for a second. I thought, no, it's not. That's way better. Like, I think we have a very shallow view of what hell would be like if we thought that would be better than being destroyed forever. Like it just, I mean, I, don't, I can't think of a good example. Being tortured, people just want to die. They'd rather die than be tortured. I mean, that's basically the argument we're having. If you're gonna be tortured forever and you can, you know, there's no possibility of escaping. Well, I might as well just die. And I think, I think it is more humane. But that's getting into our own thoughts rather than what the Bible says. Do you <laughs> mean that's like? right, we're kind of bringing our own feelings into it then, which is dangerous. But
1: well, it's not fun saying some people are going to hell. No, and it, it's... And some people are going to experience terrible. these awful things. Well... And I understand why people don't like that view. It is easier to think, yeah, uh, or, pardon me, it's easier to think God loves everybody and he's going to save everybody. Well, I, Whereas, hope, I hope I'm wrong. Well, exactly. This. But let like, uh, say like in Daniel 12, where it says... Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to ever uh, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Or in Matthew 18, It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. Or... Uh, and of course, 1 Thessalonians. So, actually, its I guess my point, I'll finish that thought. Those are a few examples where, I mean, the, the idea is developed more in the New Testament of this eternal, maybe I shouldn't use that phrase, uh, this realm where the judged, where the condemned will go. There is that realm. Where it's uh that's talked about in the New testament, but it's interesting that the uh the Pharisees I read this the other day that the Pharisees did not believe in the resurrection of the ungodly the Pharisees mm-hmm. believed in the resurrection of the godly at the end, so in the time of jesus there were there was thinking about the resurrection mm-hmm. from the dead, but people weren't raised from uh, uh, the ungodly weren't raised. And what does this say? The Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead and in, in an afterlife in which people would be rewarded or punished according to their actions in this life, as opposed to the Sadducees, who believed that the soul perished at death, and the Essenes, which was another group, who believed only in the immortality of the soul. So that's interesting as well, that goes back to this conversation. the The, the diversity in view at the time of Jesus it was uh, he was, was talking about the resurrection? Like the Sadducees were trying to trap him on the resurrection, and uh, he said, "Yeah, you know." He kind of told a parable in that regard, but it's interesting thinking about that. There, that the Pharisees didn't believe in the resurrection of the ungodly, so they, so there was even that view in the time of Jesus. That there is a place where the ungodly go, whatever the. Besides the fact about the resurrection, they believe there was a place, where the godly go and they receive a reward, and the ungodly go and they're punished.
0: See, I would agree with that though. I wouldn't disagree that. Right. The ungodly exactly. go somewhere and are punished. Like I wouldn't say, in my view would, wouldn't negate that. I, don't mm-hmm. think. I think it supports that fact that there is a place. And I,
1: I think also... it's important to to establish that though because there are views uh that say well is there a it's hard to it's hard to decipher people's views, even in evangelicalism because they like right. to be vague they like to throw out these vague ideas about yeah. hell yeah and i'm thinking okay what do you believe then? right yeah, where yeah. what is the realm of the ungodly uh because like i said last week i kind of brought this up uh there's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. Kingdom of death, kingdom of life. Right. So here's so yeah. That's everybody who is in the kingdom of light has been transferred from the. Uh, everybody in the kingdom of light has been transferred from the kingdom of darkness and therefore, are in the Edenic realm again in the Garden of Eden, so to speak, and they will go into heaven. But then heaven will come to earth. Right. Whereas hell, has control over earth that was that control was broken at the cross mm-hmm.
0: when christ it, ascended to hell
1: went, well <laughs> well maybe we need to talk right. about that yeah, now yeah. do we need to talk about that again however your views changed a well, lot it's with... just
0: funny how you said the realm of the ungodly i was like so god went to the realm of the ungodly it's kind of <laughs> ironic it's kind of a weird way to say it i don't think my i think my view has like i'm i have no problem with you just going to hell Um, When I initially started looking at annihilationism, I thought, maybe I do have a problem with it. Hmm. Because my view was, you die, that's the end. Right. That there's no place for the ungodly to go. But now my views of that have even changed. The idea of there is a a place of um, temporal suffering, whatever that looks like, before annihilation. Or at at least there's a judgment that needs to occur. There has to be something before this, or else what's the point? Hmm. of any like you know, it's it's very um hard to find a point of this knowledge annihilation, annihilation annihilationist view if there's nothing that happens after you die then it's like well what's the point of it and so i don't i think my views have still uh been, i have no problem with jesus going to hell i can say that now comfortably i don't think hmm. there's a hmm. I initially thought like no it can't happen <laughs> and i'm like oh ah, <laughs> geez sorry i don't know i don't know like why not like what's
1: Huh, yeah, yeah.
0: And it's not because of the creeds, Perry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I'll well, tell you that now. It's not that's the That's fine. That's fine.
0: So if I if I may just kind of... So I, I don't want just, to just support annihilationism. I kind of want to talk about um, this eternal conscious torment, though. Because the view hmm. of it just seems totally bizarre to me. And this is where I'm kind of challenging our listeners. Because in what world would we say that's just? I know... Mm-hmm. the biggest pushback is well you're sinning against the eternal being therefore your punishment is eternity and that just seems bizarre to me that doesn't make any sense and like that that's like medieval kind of thinking like in the medieval times if you sinned against another peasant if you're a peasant whatever you get slap on the wrist you sin against the king you die mm-hmm. if you steal from the king you die we don't do that today can you imagine if that was us today like that's just bizarre train of thought no one else really does that today we say that's an injustice if someone who's famous and rich does something bad and they don't get penalized we say that's not just What like what's going on they should have the same penalty as the other guy right because that's our view of injustice no one else follows that view so why would our theology like it just seems really bizarre that that's our our view that our sin against the eternal being results in eternal punishment i just don't follow that train like what do you think do you mm-hmm. think that's and I mean, yes, I'm, I'm okay I, being wrong because, here. I, just, I well, just can't wrap my head around this idea that that, that that's our judicial theology. It just doesn't make any sense to right. me. And maybe, I mean, I'm okay being wrong here. Like, I, like, I don't know. It just seems mm. very weird that that's not how we live. That's not what we think. But as soon as we come to, like, there's no, as soon as it comes to God, that's what we think. Like, I don't, And hmm. I, I just don't well, get it, I guess. Maybe I don't understand it fully. Do you understand it better?
1: Well, I don't know. But my this is what I'll say is every human being is... This, this goes back to are we born with original sin? That is important in this discussion. Is every single human being born with original guilt and original sin? Meaning, is every single person born being guilty in the eyes of God? And is every human being born with a sinful nature? Meaning, their basic predisposition is toward sin if we answer both those questions as yes then we then we deserve punishment right uh
0: because of because of our because
1: of our the corporate nature that those who are in the kingdom of darkness are in the realm of the of king adam who sinned who is in submission to the serpent so then that's just the punishment that goes along with that. Whereas people have been, oh, eternal.
0: That's that's my only problem. Oh, I
1: see. I see. I don't don't know why it's necessary. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Why is it necessary for it to be eternal, for it to be just?
0: Like, that's what I don't get. Because I get God's eternal being. I'm not saying that's not true. I just don't understand why the punishment needs to be eternal because we sin against the eternal being. There just, oh, seem, there just right. seems to okay. be no yeah. correlation there. Oh, I, absolutely. And, and, that, I, absolutely. Is that really
1: the argument that's made, yeah, you've never heard that? That's definitely I don't the think argument. So. Okay. Oh,
0: the reason it's eternal is because you're sinning as the eternal being. And we say, oh, that's not fair. But God's eternal, therefore your punishment should be eternal. It so just seems very people... not... And we don't think that today. People don't think that. That's not what people think. They don't think, oh, the Prime Minister is something. Okay, that's not a good example. He should be punished. But... Um, <laughs> try to give a better example you if someone <laughs> if someone famous does something wrong it's like they should have the exact same penalty at well the prime minister is a good example if he does something wrong he should have the exact same penalties i have he should not get away with anything if he's stealing millions of dollars he should have to pay back it's the exact same or whatever have the same consequences i do right there should be no difference penalty what's happening mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so why why do we think that in our minds and we say oh that's unjust if he doesn't get penalized the same as i do that's not just mm-hmm. but then when it comes to our theology we say oh uh, no of course it's just it's god he, he can do every he can do whatever he wants but we say oh it's a we're different levels of status but yet they don't match up when we think of punishment it's, it, it just seems really bizarre to me and if someone disagrees with me I'm looking at the microphone. I'm talking to you, microphone. <laughs> if someone disagrees, let me know because I I just don't hmm. I just can't comprehend it in my head. So um, I would like someone to tell me like what. Well, well, let
1: me ask a question. When we say eternity, do we mean they have to be conscious for eternity, or do we mean? When we say they have to be judged for eternity, do we mean mm-hmm. implicitly, do they have to be tormented for eternity? Do they have to be right. conscious for eternity? Or do we mean for a time they're tormented, for a time they're conscious, but for eternity they're punished. Right. Even though that torment and and consciousness will end, will and then annihilation, that annihilation is still for eternity. Right, and that goes back to what so, we were saying
0: before, the definition of eternity. What is it? Is it... No, back. but I'm still saying still that is, that is eternity, yeah, yes, yes. but
1: do we still have to say, no, they have to be tormented for eternity, they have to be conscious for eternity? Well,
0: that that's the argument that I was coming from. They do have people who believe in eternal conscious torment say mm. it has to be eternal conscious torment because you're saying it's an eternal conscious hmm. God, which, once again, I've obviously said I don't necessarily agree with, but hmm. that's a good point. What do I mean by eternal, that's what, that's what I would say is the idea of, well, first of all, I don't agree with that judicial system. I don't think eternity is 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 forever in that context the punishment for eternity i don't think that's a i think it's more weird saying before the idea of it's a this is a final state kind of thing
1: hmm. the eternity of the final state yes
0: yes i'm not very good at articulating it you're better at articulating it so that's that's nice so from there if we want should we look at the just kind of so we looked at the idea of immortality right the idea of are humans immortal are they temporal i'm um, not temporal are they immortal do we live forever and on, like I said, uh, as far as the nihilist's view, as far as my view currently, which I'm okay changing. Like, don't, I'm not entering this conversation saying I'm stuck on this. Like, <laughs> I'm really open to changing. I hope our viewers or viewers, listeners, are open to change too. Because I mean, like, if you're already stuck in it, then what's the point of mm-hmm. looking at it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we looked at the idea of eternity. We've talked about that quite a bit. How we can deal with this idea of eternal punishment as not um our view or our image of what eternal is rather than the the state rather than uh what is happening is not unhappening and then so the last kind of pillar and this i mean this these three things aren't um exhaustive there's definitely more things on this view of annihilation these are just kind of the three primary ones is the idea of destruction the language of um, destruction in the bible Hmm. and you can pull from a lot of different verses there's there's Tons of them out there that will that talk about the destruction. Um, if I can just pull out a couple here. Well, Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill a soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. I mean, I just can't pull that one text up. I mean, be afraid of the one who can destroy both. God is able to destroy. It doesn't necessarily, he does. So I don't want to say... See there, he says, he's mm-hmm. going to destroy body and soul. It doesn't say that, it says he can. Um, but we can still kind of point to that and say, oh, okay, that's that talks about it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, if we look in oh yeah, 2 Peter two six, so this is referencing Sodom and Gomorrah, but it says, mm-hmm. um, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ash, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly. Hmm. The phrasing is pretty explicit. I mean, to Sonic Moro he he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what's gonna to happen to the ungodly. And I'm gonna say right away, like lots of I mean, this is the the ESV I believe, but I mean other kind of translations are gonna say something else, right? But I just I mean so I don't wanna say okay the to use this verse to get my point across. But the point being the same that that's gonna to happen to the ungodly, what happened to Sonic flames came down from heaven and destroyed like you I mean it was destroyed hmm. that's what's happening to that godly not punishment forever right They no it was annihilated it was destroyed hmm. um, similarly to Thessalonians 1 9 they will be punished in everlasting destruction shut down with the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might hmm. um, I mean we can keep going on on 1 Corinthians 15 24 and will come he'll lay hands over the kingdom to God the father after he is destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. I mean, there's lots of other verses. If you, someone wants, I can put them all on the Facebook page. Someone asks for them. But there's tons of verses that talk about this this destruction, this complete annihilation. Um, and I mean, I think Isaiah, I think it's 66, talks about it as well, this idea of destruction of the ungodly, the, the annihilation of the the wicked. The, hmm. Um, hmm. And so I think that, just taking that language it's destruction why why would we say this destruction when it's not destruction like the bible seems to say that no these things will be destroyed they'll be annihilated um, um extinct so it doesn't sound like an eternal living to me it seems like no it's done it's final it's complete That's like i said before if you destroy a city it's not still there it's gone and so i think that's the same idea of the unrighteous it's no longer still it's not still there in a place it's gone it's destroyed um i think that's kind of the last the last uh pillar of this, this argument that the wording seems to say that destruction is what will come to the unrighteous and the wicked
1: Hmm. yeah that's uh i mean that's uh, pretty convincing like it's uh, you see in the New Old Testament that God judges the ungodly and he doesn't do it arbitrarily. It's because human beings are sinful and don't live up to his standard. He judged Israel over and over again. He he showed them hell mm-hmm. on earth. He, he unleashed, he let hell on earth uh, take over the right. nation of Israel, because of their idolatry. They they were visibly uh, violating God's law. You, right. And 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 so it's easy for us to say they deserved it uh, because they were breaking God's law. He brought them to the brink of destruction, but didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even in AD 70, he judged the nation of Israel once again essentially saying, you are no more. Um, he destroyed the temple. He destroyed the city of Jerusalem, essentially, to show his judgment on Jerusalem for rejecting the Messiah. Right. Well, that is a a, a microcosm, a, uh, a small picture of, of judgment on the world, in my opinion, anyways. And, it, it, and what I mean, that people deserved it, because we really have to think about... The fact that humanity submitted themselves to an animal uh, to a creature, they didn't submit themselves to God. They submitted themselves to a creature, and what happened? They became like the creature. So that really affects our anthropology, and so they they that that destruction came upon them, and 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 Israel was commanded to destroy the inhabitants of Canaan. So I'm trying, to, I'm, I'm trying to kind of back up what you're saying here mm-hmm. is that Israel had to go and destroy these nations. Okay, think about it in this way, like a verse you read in 1 Corinthians 15, all of Christ's enemies have to be defeated. That is a picture. What Israel did in the Old Testament is a picture of what Jesus is going to do perfectly, mm. come back and destroy his enemies. Just and, and complete what Israel didn't right. do. Yeah, well, not, so yeah, uh, they were supposed to destroy. He is supposed to destroy. Right now, if, if, so, that, if
0: that doesn't happen, then not everything is being reconciled to God. Exactly. That that's that's my own personal exactly. view. Exactly. Well then, well then, <laughs> everything's not. If there is if, if, bu- if there is yeah,
1: if there's a bubble of people that are or of whatever, yeah. of
0: people being eternally consciously tormented. Yeah then not everything has been reconciled to God. That's another view. That's another problem I have with that view. Like, exactly. Well, what do we do with that? Hmm. Well, everything but that will be reconciled. No, it says everything will be reconciled to God. So, like I hmm. said, either universalism then, right? Either everything will or annihilationism where there it's no longer a thing. Therefore, everything... Do you mean if it's annihilated, it's no longer a thing? Therefore everyone will be reconciled to God. Mm. So I think that is a big problem with the idea of eternal conscious torment. Then mm. Christ doesn't defeat hell or whatever that is. Um, because it's not reconciled to himself. So it, there's definitely a lot of problems that I, I personally have with the eternal conscious torment view, but I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure people who have that view have a good reasoning for it. Right. And so mm. I don't want to knock people for having that view. I don't think it's, um, helpful to me to say no they're wrong like I mean because I don't I'm not I don't plan to be a scholar of people way smarter than me who are doing research on us and they believe something else so I mean hmm. who am I to say they're wrong and I'm right
1: but okay Drew here's my big question to wrap things up okay do we need to emphasize hell in our discussion of evangelism no when we're sorry when we do evangelism do we need to emphasize hell
0: No, I don't think so at all. I don't think when anyone ever evangelizes, hell should be at the forefront or even mentioned. Hmm. What's the point? Hmm. I mean, what's the point of saying, if you don't believe this, you're going to hell? I mean, that doesn't help anyone. That just seems like a jerk move, in my opinion. So, I mean...
1: Well, the other argument, though, is that if somebody is in a burning building and they don't know that, shouldn't they be told so that they can get out of the burning building. But that
0: that's not effective. I would not say that's an hmm. effective evangelism. Where's hmm. what kind of faith is that? I mean, there is no faith if you're saying, no, oh, the alternative is to stay in the burning building." I mean, well, I mean, okay, that's not a very good analogy to bring up. But I just think that that doesn't bring forth any change. Any faith change comes. Oh, I don't want that. I'm gonna say this or whatever, or pray or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. except. I just don't think hell is an effective evangelism tool. I think it's a tool that people have used to scare people into believing.
1: It's a skewed view. Oh, absolutely. Because you're not showing God's love. I think most people know that things are pretty messed up.
0: Well, yeah, it's not (laughs) rocket science. I mean, people... I don't know. I don't know. I just think, personally, I don't think hell has a place in evangelism I, that's just my mm. personal view i mean mm. i'm sure it comes up like i'm not i'm just saying i would never leave with that mm. do you know what I mean like the people gays go to hell it's like right that is yeah not, that's not helpful that's not yeah. helpful yeah, yeah, well. exactly. that's so unhelpful and right. anti-productive i mean how can you even call that evangelism you're not right like but on the other hand yep. i wouldn't i mean it's just yeah it's just totally um bizarre but However, if someone were to say to me, like if I were to evangelize to someone and they say, well, what do you think happens when you die? I would definitely say I, hmm. I believe that um, through Christ, we're given eternal immortality of life in which we will be with God forever. And without Christ, I don't think we have that. I don't think we have an eternal um, living. I don't think we can live for forever. I think that is a gift from God. And so for the ungodly, I think that... Um, whether it be you will be punished, you'll be judged and punished for your sins for a certain amount of time or destroyed or whether you just are destroyed. I, I'm not the one to say, however, I do not think that um, eternity is in the in the realm of those who are not uh, hmm. following Christ. And some of them say, okay, well, I'm okay with that. And, I mean I, I don't know like I mean I know some people say, okay I'm fine with it. there's nothing after death. I mean that's what lots of people, do believe right lots of people who aren't christians believe oh yeah nothing happens to you when you die and they're content with that but would not eternity with the god be way better than that even if that you mean so i think Hmm. uh, it doesn't lose any um value by saying uh you don't live forever you cease to exist i think it still has value in that one is still significantly better than the other one Mm -hmm. does that make sense you know what i'm saying so i don't think by losing the idea of eternal conscious torment you um Lose any effect or mm. um, helpfulness in evangelism. I think it. I don't think it makes a difference. Not mm-hmm. a difference, in my opinion. I don't know.
1: Right. Well, it, with the discussion of hell, and the reality of it, uh, I guess it's just a context. just being able to discern when do we bring it up. What's what's important in this particular context? Right. What do people need to hear? If you're discipling somebody, okay. We got to talk about hell because the New Testament writers. I mean, James actually does talk about rescue, lift people out of that fire, and actually he's talking about Christians. Hmm. He's saying if they're in sin, lift them up out of that. Hmm. But that's a different discussion. Is but this, it's it is yeah. it is. Um, yeah, I don't think it has to be emphasized as much as it has in the last century, no. where. Uh, I mean, Jonathan Edwards, like the great preacher from. I think it was the 18th century in the 1700s he was preaching he was he preached a sermon sinners in the hands of an angry god and i don't and i don't know how much he actually emphasized hell as much as he emphasized judgment and people were bawling and screaming on the floor for uh, relief they wanted they were screaming for repentance how many how many converge how many true conversions came out of that i just can't believe that's helpful
0: like i just can't see oh that's a good way to get people i mean there's an aspect of like coming to senses with your sin Mm -hmm. But i mean how helpful is that to just scare the hell into people or the wrath of Mm -hmm. god into people that's not helpful where's the faith then there's no faith it's fear Mm -hmm. you'd say oh you have no faith then you have absolutely zero belief in what's actually happening you're just Going off of I, this, I know this is bad. I know this is better. I'm going to change. But
1: people obviously do come to faith, and they so. and they and they come to see how much God loves them. And the how much He loves them to rescue them from that from that particular destiny. Yeah. True. So yeah, I, guess. I don't know. Honestly, don't know because I I, like I do agree with you. It does seem like in a lot of contexts where you say, you're going to go to hell if you don't do this. If you don't say this prayer, oh, okay, okay, I'll say the prayer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because actually, I I think Paul especially guards against that by saying, if you're not living in this way, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So even the way that you live is showing who your allegiance is towards, and what your destiny is. So it's not even about... Uh, and I'm not saying that's works righteousness. Right. I'm just saying, show your allegiance. Right. It's not about, say the prayer, get out of hell. It's not a get out of hell free card.
0: Yeah, this whole topic just... Like, honestly, it kind of just makes you sad. Yeah. Like, thinking about it, just I... and Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I guess start off the episode, I, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. Like, I, I, I truly believe... I hope that hmm. universalism is the way to go. Maybe who <laughs> knows, give me five years, maybe I'll become a universalist. I don't know. But like just even the thought of someone not being eternal Christ kind of brings someone to really just hmm. want to stop that for whatever possible. Right. Hmm. And, and and prevent that, the reality. Well, bef- before we close up here and the end thing, I just want to credit two of the guys I listened to. Cause I, I I did a lot of research on this. I feel like I don't always give credit to who I listen to. <laughs> so I'd like to give credit to those guys. I'll see. I'll hmm. look them up here. So one was Glenn Peoples, his name was. If anyone else wants to check out these.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Glenn Peoples, he has a lot to say. And then the guy, Edward Fudge, he's quite an older uh, gentleman. <laughs> Edward awesome Fudge. Name. It is a good name. It's a song. But I listened to an hmm. interview of him and he he talks about his view, but he gets so emotional in it. Hmm. And you know he's, Not happy talking about it because he, he, but he he articulates his view very well. So, if Hmm. you want to learn more about these kind of topics, annihilationism or the traditional view, uh, check out those two people, Glenn Peoples and then Hmm. uh, Edward Fudge. Yeah, they're both really, really interesting uh, and Hmm. pretty confident, way more articulate than (laughs) I am, but. uh, uh yeah definitely check
1: them out well this has been a good conversation and uh we'd want to invite you all to join this conversation we we really want to know what you think we honestly are curious to know what our listeners I are want, thinking about. i want to know how i'm yeah, wrong exactly. I, I really
0: want to be proved wrong here so
1: you can comment in the uh facebook comments on this post uh or on instagram or wh- whatever you can shoot us an email with your thoughts we really would be interested in what you think uh You can email us at perrysponderings at gmail.com. You can send us a voice message with your thoughts, uh, which could be featured in a future episode at anchor.fm slash thepondercast. Uh, We do depend on our listeners uh, to advertise this program, and we'd really appreciate that. And the Pondercast is part of Perry's Ponderings, which is found at Mm perrysiddins.com. And until next week, keep pondering.